Do you want to change your life? Change your thinking. Change your life. Do you want better relationships? Change your thinking. Change your life. Do you know the potential of who you are today? Who you can become? Change your thinking. Change your life. Join Dr. Preston Rich as he helps you to change your thinking, to change your life. From the military to corporate to the classroom, Dr. Rich shares his experience and knowledge to help others be their best selves. In this fast-paced world that we live in, we tend to forget how special we are. Doc Rich says you are perfectly imperfect and uniquely amazing. And we're going to act like it. Call in or listen in as Doc Rich speaks. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Dr. Preston Rich. This is Dr. Preston Rich, and welcome to another episode of Doc Rich Speaks Podcast. I want to send a shout out to all those folks that are listening, my new listeners, those folks in in England and Japan and India. Got someone in India. Um... I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for building up my momentum. I appreciate that. Hopefully, I give you what you're looking for. And if I'm not, then drop me a line and let me know. Today, I'm going to talk about three things that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I think that some of you may be able to relate. Uh, If you can't, I know you know someone who can. So today, I'm going to talk about actually getting along with people that you don't really have the same views with or what have you. And I think we need a big dose of that in the world today. Not only in the United States with the things that are going on with George Floyd, but I think that there's a lot of folks who have have applied uncritical thinking skills to their present situations and it is fueling their bias. And a, a, a funny part about that is people don't understand their biases. Uh, Someone will say something to you and say, hey, that's wrong because you're doing it that way. Well, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that they're doing something different. Now, obviously, there are situations where people are doing things wrong. But just because someone is doing something different than you do doesn't make them wrong and doesn't make you right. What is the probability that you can both be right doing the thing you're doing? So I want to talk about three things today, intellectual empathy, intellectual humility, and fair-minded thinking. Now, these things are core concepts of critical thinking. Uh, When we're talking about critical thinking, we need to actually understand um, what what part of leadership critical thinking has to do with your overall perception and your overall performance of leadership. A lot of folks think because they have followers, they're good leaders, and that's just not the case. You have to have a little bit more than just people who follow you because a lot of times people follow you because of the fact that they have different duty titles, they have different job titles, they follow you because that's what the job told them to do, they follow you because they are afraid to not follow you. They follow you because they're afraid to tell you no. A lot of times people follow other individuals for something that has nothing to do with the, in, with, with the, in, with the individual. Um, 
Hitler had a lot of followers, and some folks say, oh, he was a great leader. Why? Because he had a lot of followers. Mm, yeah, not so much. He was a person that was able to get people to follow him, spitting out rhetoric that was wrong. But a lot of he kept talking about it, and, and people started catching on, and people started saying, okay, there's a lot of things that we have in this country today, and people say you can be staring at a banana and someone tells you 50,000 times that it's an apple, at some point you're going to say, wow, that could be an apple. And the could be, the thought that you got off, the be, the, the reason beyond reasonable doubt or shadow of a doubt or whatever you want to call it at that time, when you believe that you're looking at a banana but someone's telling you it's an apple and you believe for a split second that it could be an apple, that's when they get you. See, intellectual empathy has to do with being able to see the other side. Now, I've talked about this before on some of my podcasts to talk about intellectual empathy and understanding how intellectual empathy goes into leadership. But today, we're going to talk about intellectual empathy and exactly what it means. Having empathy or having... Now, I'm not talking about sympathy. Sympathy is feeling sorry for someone, and no one wants you to feel sorry for them. Empathy, however, is being able to see the other side or see what the, where the other person is coming from. You should be able to hear an opposing view, understand why that person who has the opposing view said that, had that opinion, and be okay with the fact that an opposing view exists out there. And at the same time, your biases should not keep you from hearing more of the opposing view. Too many times people tend to have biases and they look for confirmation from other folks who have the same bias. For example, if you are a parent and you feel as though American football is not suited for children under 12 years old, and you go to a football coach like me and you say, I don't think kids should play football and I'm not going to allow my kid to play on your team because I think football Tackle football for children is unsafe. It leads to concussions, it leads to CTE, it leads to this, it leads to that, it leads to the other. My view is an opposing view because of the fact that I am a football coach for a little league team. My actual son is on a football team and has been for the past five years. He has not been hurt. No concussion, no, nothing like that. Uh, thank Thank the Lord. However, I understand how a mother would say, I don't want my son to play because I believe he may be hurt. That's her opinion. That is exactly what that person wants to do. Now, in order for her to feel better about her decision, she will talk to other mothers who say the same thing. The minute she runs runs against a mother who says, no, I think that it's not unsafe. I think that it is okay for them to pay, play. That person is immediately shunned from her core group, and there we go. We have what's called confirmation bias. Someone who is able to look for confirmation from those who have similar views, even if those views are not too founded in fact. It's opinion. It's not founded in fact. And actually, you know, from what I've read... CTE doesn't affect kids until they are, what, 12 years old or what have you. I don't know the stats. I'm not a medical doctor. What I do know is 
as a football coach, we play heads up football. We keep the head and the neck out of the game. And on my team, I don't allow for children to play dirty. I don't allow for children to play without the proper technique. And they play tackle football. And thank the Lord, I've had no incidents of youth football uh, injuries on any team I coached, assistant coach, I had my, my son play. That has a lot to do with the leagues and with the practice of the coaches who ensure that the children's safety is first. Um, for popular football league in Frisco is a Frisco football league, and I applaud this league because of the fact that they ensure that the coaches are certified, number one, by USA Football. They also ensure that the children's safety comes first. It doesn't really matter about uh, what record you have or what have you. If you have, if they have any instance where a child's safety is put in put in danger or put in jeopardy, they will remove you. I've seen them remove coaches. I've seen them remove players. These are the kind of things that people have to actually see in order for them to have factual things in order for them to have a change of mind. However, if you're going against going to make a decision about something and you go in without intellectual empathy, you will tend to make bad decisions. You're probably wondering, well, Dr. Rich, why are you talking about intellectual empathy, intellectual humility and fair mindedness? I'm talking about it because of the fact that I look around the world's landscape now and people are making decisions without fact. They're making decisions based solely on opinion solely on what they hear because they hear exactly what they want to hear even if it's a, even if it's wrong and we're getting into a situation where people are staunchly against things that are right people black people shouldn't have to go and protest in the street black people white people orange people no one should have to go in the streets in 2020 and ask for human rights. I, I don't care where you come from. It's just stupid to me to actually have, we have, because of the fact that the nation has decided, nope, you know, your life is not as important as my life. We have systemic racism here and we have to actually go into the streets and protest and go to city halls and go to, to, to the nation's leadership and go to our leaders that we elected and say, can we please have human rights? Can we please? Can we please have equality? Now, you know, that says that in the Constitution of the United States that all men, you know, it's, we're, we're supposed to be created equal, su- supposedly. Now, what they won't tell you is and when the Constitution was being written, the three-fifths compromise between Virginia and South Carolina, where South Carolina and Virginia were arguing on how much representation they should have based on the number of slaves that they owned. If that doesn't throw you, I don't know what will, but what they came to, the decision the, the decision that they came to was that you would get three-fifths of a representation based on the number of slaves you had. 60%, each slave counted for 60%. And this is, it's, in this day and age, you would think, wow, <laughs> Does that make make sense, you know, that I would be counting in me and, you know, three out of five of my people in my family, if I had a five-person family, they would only count. It, it, it's crazy. 
three-fifths compromise. They made a compromise to say, okay, if you have more slaves than we have, we'll, we'll, we'll give you three-fifths of a person. We'll, we'll, we'll count that as 60%. What? Not one-on-one? That, that doesn't make sense to me. This, people, is the thing that you probably need to understand is one of the foundational tenets that our nation was built upon. And I'm not here to try to do anything. I know people are probably listening and say, oh, he's race baiting. No, I'm not race baiting. I'm just giving you facts. These are the facts. This is this is this this is the the this is the the vein of the thought of the forefathers who created the Constitution to put this country in place. And whilst they're talking about protests or what have you, the Boston Tea Party was a protest, American Revolution was a protest, all of these different protests that actually shaped our nation, no one has a problem with that. You know, two months ago, people were in Denver, Colorado, protesting because they wanted to get out of their house in coronavirus, because they wanted to buck the system and tell the leaders that it was wrong to have them sitting in the house. It was against their constitutional right to be told what to do. They wanted to get out. They wanted a haircut. They wanted this. They wanted that. They wanted the other. As soon as people started protesting in the streets about being alive, all of a sudden, everyone comes out of the woodwork and says, those folks shouldn't be protesting. When Colin Kaepernick peacefully protested, now, we have differing views on whether the national anthem should have been involved in this protest. My thing is the national anthem and the, and the protests are two different things. Um, the, I believe that Kaepernick's use of the national anthem took away from his message because everybody dis- everybody discussed, oh, wow, he did that during the national anthem as opposed to this is the reason why he did it. Much like people are doing now. And when they see the looters out there, they're saying, well, there are looters out there. But whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, they are. But that's a small minority of individuals who are actually out there looting and stealing in response to the George Floyd incident. I don't believe that the people who are looting have anything to do with uh, trying to get equal rights at all. But, you know, destroying property or what have you. I'm not going to tell anybody uh, what what to feel or how to feel about what they're doing. If their emotions took them to a point where they loot and and do what have you, then okay. I've seen people in Boston celebrating a good thing, celebrating the fact that their sports team won and they turned over cars and burned things and looted and got arrested for it. And the newspapers wrote in that these, these were overzealous sports fans. Minorities go in and loot because of the fact that they are frustrated with the way police are treating them and their brothers. Now they're thugs. Now, now I don't understand that. That's that whole thing about bias again. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And the media has a lot to do with it. That's the whole thing about bias. You know, people, people see in, in go look it up. Overzealous sports fans overturn cars and set them on fire and loot and do this and do that. And they were arrested because they were overzealous sports fans. They weren't thugs. Now, they were doing the same thing in Ferguson. Okay, they're doing the same thing in New York and L.A., the same thing. And did you notice how quickly the police were dispatched to the quote unquote rich areas of Los Angeles, California? To protect those material things that those rich store owners had insurance on? Did you see did you see that? 
I'm not telling you that is. I'm not telling you. That. Let me tell you something. I'm not saying it's right to loot. I'm not telling you that. I don't. I'm. I'm not telling you that I support people looting and destroying property. I don't support that. Okay. In case you want to turn that around on my podcast and say and take a snippet of this, Doctor Rich said no. Doctor Rich didn't say anything. I'm a grown man. If I said it once, I'll say it again. I don't support looting and destroying property for any reason. Okay. What I am going to say is it is mighty funny about the response that you got when you were looting as opposed to the response that you got with the peaceful protest. When the peaceful protest came out, I didn't I, I would like to see some city council people or the president or some congressmen say, hey, let's listen to what these people are saying. They're peacefully protesting. That's their that's their their that's their right. That's their constitutional right to peacefully protest. What what, what can we do? Now, I've told you guys before about the eight can't wait campaign zero on Instagram. I don't have any affiliation with campaign zero. I did see it. I do follow them on Instagram. I do believe in the eight can't wait. And I do feel as though we need to advance that initiative. Until you have intellectual empathy and face your decisions with said intellectual empathy, this is for not. This is for not. N-A-U-G-H-T, not. This is for something this is this is something that that can't be done unless you go into it with intellectual empathy. You need to be able to see the other side. I don't care where you were raised. I don't care what you were doing yesterday. It does not matter. Right is right and wrong is wrong. If you believe that innocent people should be killed while they're being arrested, then we have a big problem. You probably need to go back. And here's the funny part about it. A lot of people think that because of the fact that blacks and minorities are given equal rights, it takes a right from from you. How does that happen? <laughs> equal is equal. Equal doesn't mean take away from one person to give to another. It means equal. I just want the police to treat my folks the same way they treat yours. Is that hard? That shouldn't be hard if you have intellectual empathy. If that's the case, just think about this. Think about a man who is arrested for allegedly passing counterfeit bills to buy a pack of cigarettes. And think about a man, close your eyes now, close your eyes. Think about a man who walks into a store, who buys a pack of cigarettes, who uses a counterfeit $20 bill. The police are called, the police come. The man, the man goes willingly with the police officers. It's four of them to one man. Okay, you imagine that? Now imagine this man is handcuffed and thrown to the ground face down. You imagining that? This man is six foot five, six foot seven. He's thrown to the ground, not resisting arrest. He has a police officer's knee on his neck. I'm 170 pound, 180 pound, 200 pound police officer with the knee on his neck. He has another officer's knee on his back for passing, allegedly passing a counterfeit bill. Now, keep your eyes closed. Now, this man dies. He, he says, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Now, imagine this man was white. And the police officers on his back were black. What would you say? Would you be outraged? Would you be upset? Would it be wrong? I'll tell you what happened. 
in my mind, what would happen is someone, which which those police officers who did this to George Floyd, they did get fired um, and subsequently had charges drawn against them. Um, and 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 we're gonna have them have their day in court and due process. It it's 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 disheartening to to hear how someone can take away from the situation by accentuating the negativity that came from the protest. That's a lack of intellectual intellectual empathy. You know, <laughs> I don't understand. I really don't understand how someone who could go into a church and shoot up a church, shoot nine, kill nine people in a church, could surrender and be taken to Burger King because they're hungry, as opposed to be thrown down on the ground with a knee in their back after they've taken the lives of nine people. This is what happened with Dylan. Roof in South Carolina. We can go through the history books. We can, as simple as last week, we can go into the same courtrooms and the same judges and look at a white person and a black person, a white male and a black male coming up on the same charge, and the black male gets a higher sentence, gets a longer sentence, a more severe sentence. Why? We don't know. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to say you're racist because I don't know enough about the situation and the individual situations to say that, but I'm just putting it out there for you for you to make your own decision. I'm not trying to influence your decisions. I'm trying to get you to make better ones. Now, let's go to intellectual humility. Intellectual humility is being able to understand what you don't know. Now, there's a lot of people out here who will tell you what they do know. But a lot of folks are not have no understanding of what they don't know. And that's a dangerous place to be in. If you're in a situation where you don't know what you don't know, you have no idea what you don't know about any given situation, you're in trouble. And being able to humble yourself to state, I don't know something, is a major step in your personal development as a thinker, a critical thinker. And when you're doing this along with utilizing your intellectual empathy, you will be able to make better decisions. Now, if you are going into your workplace and you're looking into looking into how looking into the situation of how to better get along with your people on your team and this COVID-19 situation where people are actually not at the job in your face, you have trust issues, number one, because of the fact that you have to have 50,000 conference calls. People are tired of that. Every day you have to have three conference calls just to make sure your people are doing their job. Why? Why did you hire someone you couldn't trust in the first place? That's on you as a leader. And why do you feel the need to micromanage individuals and try to, oh my, these people call themselves leaders because they were hired and have a position. I'm the chief information security officer, and I'm in charge of 38 people, and I have to be in all 38 of their business, those people's business. I can't trust the managers who are there to supervise them. I have to go behind my manager's back to ensure that my managers are doing what they're supposed to do. Nope. That's distrust. That's distrust. And then when people try to tell you about leadership, you are so arrogant that you don't admit to yourself 
that there's a lot about leadership you don't know. Let me tell you something, people. If you're a leader of people and you have no idea what you don't know, trust and believe your people know exactly what you don't know and they will use that against you. Trust me on this one. You have to understand that leadership doesn't have any, it has nothing to do with you. It has something to do with the individuals. And if you walk around saying, I'm a great leader, you're not. Let other people toot your horn for you. Find out how you can be a resource to help the people on your team, not a hindrance to keep them where they are. If you have people on your team that have been on your team for more than two years, you're not a great leader. My situation, any kind of time, any time that I've been a supervisor, manager, leader of an organization, I want people out of off of my team in two years. That's their shelf life. I want you to go and do bigger and better things on another team. Don't don't stay on my team because then that means I'm not doing things to advance you. But see, that takes time. That takes some give a damn from your leader to actually get into what their individuals on their team want to do and help them get there. See, you as a leader are supposed to move obstacles out of your subordinates way. You can't be so hell bent on keeping people under your thumb that you're afraid to let them thrive and be their best selves. See, helping others be their best selves are the things that 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 go into your leadership bank, if you will. Those are the things that make you the best leaders. If you tell individuals, if you find out what they want to do and you help them get there, that's being a leader. That's being a transformational leader, not being someone who just checks the boxes to say, yep, I'm a leader. Nope, you're not. If you don't have intellectual empathy and intellectual humility, knowing what you don't know and understanding the other side, you will never be a great leader. You will never be able to make great decisions. It doesn't really have anything to do with leadership. It has more to do with you being a person who can make good decisions. And one of the best things that you can do, one of the greatest things that you can do as a leader is make a daggone decision. If you don't know how to make decisions as a leader, you're not an effective leader. If you don't understand how to use intellectual humility and intellectual empathy in your decision-making process, you will never be a great leader. Learn this. And last but not least, today we're going to talk about intellectual fair-mindedness. In order for you to be an effective leader, in order for you to make great great decisions, you have to be fair-minded. And what does fair-minded mean? Firstly, if you're biased, you have no idea what fair-minded means (laughs) because you think that fair-minded is whatever you think. (laughs) And those are the things that happen to people. It's not a sin. It happens. I'm just telling you, with my 30-plus years of leadership experience and being in five different industries and seeing things, including in the United States military, I kind of have a pretty, pretty good bead on how to make decisions and what leadership is all about. You have to be fair-minded. Now, here's the thing about being fair-minded. Sometimes being fair-minded makes you, makes you try to understand something that you, you just have no experience with. Oh, I have to think about this. You know, <laughs> I used to work for a place called First Plus Financial. And before I had my child, I worked for these people. It was a 98, 99 
before they went under, they had a in their parking lot. They had a childcare center. They were parked. They were had a parking lot under the building. They had a childcare center, and the childcare center was for single parents who worked at First Plus Financial. The child care center was a part of the company, meaning we can, okay, if you have children, come and drop your children off. And I thought that was weird until I learned about leadership and found out, oh, that's not weird. That's actually awesome that a company would have a child care center on premise to where now you can kill two birds with one stone. You have certified child care givers. You have reduced child care. That comes right out of your check and you can drop your child off at your job and go to work and earn a living and you don't have to worry about your children. Oh, wow. Now, that's something that I had to learn to be fair minded about, because when I was there, I was like, wow, that's different. But I learned. Hey, yep. That's probably a great idea. I had to be fair-minded because I had to utilize my intellectual empathy and put myself in the place of a person who was a single parent or didn't have any other options for childcare. And I learned that, wow, this was a revolution. This was something that was revolutionary. I didn't see too many companies that did this. And uh, I think here in the post-COVID or... COVID-19 world, I think that we're going to have to come up with new ways to to please our workers. We're going to have to have new ways to keep our workers employed. We're going to have to have new ways to answer our workers' call and be empathetic to their views. We need to have new ways of doing things differently. We have to be fair-minded. Even in this situation with the George Floyd problem, it's a problem. We have to be fair-minded. If people feel as though they've been wronged for a number of years, guess what? They've probably been wronged for a number of years. We're not making this up. And if you <laughs> and no one's calling you wrong for having an opposing view, for thinking that something is different than what we talk about. No one's telling you you're wrong because if all you knew was what happened in your household, you were not raised with minorities, you were not raised around minorities, you never practice any kind of racism, you never experience any kind of racism, you have no clue what we're talking about. This is why you must get out and understand about what you don't know and learn. And people say, well, I'm white. Why do I need to learn about the black struggle? You don't have to. But I guarantee you, before you die, you will run into somebody who's not your color, and you're going to have to understand where they came from in order to communicate with them. You're going to work with them. You're going to go to church with them. You're going to be in the store with them. You're going to, it happens, people. In order for you to understand how to, unless you're going to move in an island where only white people, where only white people live, yeah, well, try that. Yeah, that doesn't work too well. People are people. Minorities are everywhere. This is what it's going to be. And stop with this whole thing about, oh, white people are going to be the minority in the year 2050. No, they won't. Go look at the stats. Go, go look at the stats. Go look at the tables. Go look at population. Go look at all of that. No, they will not. I'm sorry to tell you that. They will not. You will not. Stop worrying. And who gives a damn anyway? Oh, we're not going to be the majority. So... Who cares? Haven't you 
enjoyed the privilege of being the only people who have the best things in the world all the time, long enough? What is it about being a majority that you love so much? Because if really, if you think about it, you always tell us that there's equal opportunity to do everything. And if that was the case, when our forefathers set forth the Constitution, none of that was in there. I'm sorry to tell you that. That's the reason why, it, the, the way I feel, the Constitution was written for white men, period. There was, there was, there were no provisions for women to vote. <laughs> no provision for women having equal rights. No provision, no provisions for blacks or or any minority to have any kind of rights. I mean, we had to put all these amendments in because people, quote unquote, forgot. You didn't forget. You were just, you were just closed minded. So if you thought that our forefathers created this to be so equal for everybody, you're wrong. Because if it was, we wouldn't have all of these. Look at all these laws that we have to have for equal opportunity and equal rights and civil rights. Civil rights? Really? We have to sue somebody for civil rights, human rights? Really? Stop. Think. Look at the facts. People talk about burning and looting. (laughs) Really? Look up Black Wall Street, the Tulsa Race Massacre. Look that up and then come back and talk to me about burning and looting and see what we got. Oh, that was a long time ago. Yes, so was slavery. But for some odd reason, some people believe that that's the best way to have minorities subservient to them. People that can't be. That can't be. No one's asking for revenge. We're just asking for people to just treat us the same way that they treat everyone else. Folks, look, that's my time. I talked about intellectual empathy, intellectual humility, and fair-mindedness and decision-making in business and in the world with your personal lives. I talked about people having biases. People, if you want to hear anything else about any of these topics, please don't hesitate to call me or email me or text me or whatever. My number is out there on my um my number, sorry, my number is out there on all my social media platforms. Instagram, uh, she'll tell you about it at the end. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter or what have you. If you on YouTube, however you want to get in touch with me, please do. DM me on Instagram. Send me an email, okay? I want to talk about these things. If you want to come on and be a guest on my show, on my podcast, just call me. Just just send me an email. Hit me with it. Whatever you want to talk about, we can talk about all right. Remember, I do as the as the podcast owner, I do have the right to reject some things. OK, so I'm not going to put anything that's just highly offensive or crazy on here. I'm not doing that because I have to protect my brand. But at the same time, I want people to get some dialogue. I want people to start talking. OK, we need to start talking. We need more love. You guys need to love us like we are. Stop trying to change us into something that we're not. But people, you know, when I always tell you. We are perfectly imperfect and uniquely amazing, so act like it. If nobody has told you today, Doc Rich loves you. Peace. 
You've been listening to the Doc Rich Speaks Show. We hope we've stimulated your mind and inspired you to be your best self today. If you've enjoyed the show, tell some friends and join us next time on this same station. Follow Dr. Rich on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Doc Rich Speaks. You can download this podcast on Apple, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spreaker as well. In the meantime and in between time, remember you are perfectly imperfect and uniquely amazing. So just be great every single day.